ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. And now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because this is the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Live from beautiful downtown Lexington, it's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Saturday. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call in and join in on the conversation, you can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Bottomlinelex. On today's show at around 930 today, our good friend Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will join us to talk all things sports, including his uh, on-fire MMA picks in the UFC. He's been giving out winners for months now on this show. We'll see if he's got any more for tonight. The Reds are in the middle of a four-game series with the Braves. They are the definition of mediocrity as we speak. The NBA playoffs continue, and the favorites still making profits for us in the postseason. Just like we've been preaching on this show since before the playoffs even started. And of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. We thank you so much for listening. But first, Jim Valvano. Those of us of a certain age, we remember... Jim Valvano and the 1983 NC State Wolfpack that won the championship that year in a memorable Cinderella run, which was capped with a last-second dunk to beat Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and Phi Slamma Jamma to win it all. By the way, someone counted once, and North Carolina State benefited that year from fouling players and then those players going 1-for-16 at the front ends of one-and-one free throws during that run, which is an amazing stat. Of course, the NCAA stopped that soon after. Now you have bonuses, double bonuses. Heck, I remember in the NBA, they used to let you have three to make two free throws, but I'm showing my age now. I digress. Of course, Jimmy V passed away from cancer in the early 90s, most memorably after that ESPY speech that still is played today. And the V Foundation still lives on, as a leader in cancer research. But Jim Valvano wasn't always a superstar coach. He was hustling, just like we do. He he was hustling to get a chance. Just 10 years before he won that national championship. In 1972, Valvano applied for the head coaching job at Bucknell University. And according to Valvano, Bucknell hadn't had a winning season since the French and Indian War. His words, not mine. So the officials of Bucknell are telling Valvano what a great job that coaching at Bucknell really is. And Valvano says, how can you say that? You only won one game last year. You were 1-26. Why do you think this is such a good job? That athletic director looked at Valvano. He said, coach, you're overlooking one thing. We've got everybody coming back from that team next season. And Valvano sarcastically looks at him and says, wow, am I lucky. The whole team is coming back? Even the guy without thumbs, he's back too? Where do I sign? But Valvano did sign up 
to coach that Bucknell team. All those returning players. So how did Valvano's team do? Well, they began the season with a game at Syracuse. And at halftime of that first game, they were losing by 56 points. And they wound up losing that game by 72. So yeah, big improvement in the second half there. This is part of Jim Valvano's motivational speeches that he used to give back in the 80s to businesses and companies. But it still rings true today. Just because you... Just because you have experience doesn't mean you're good at what you do. Equate that to this year's college football win totals. And one of my favorite hobbies and talking points throughout the summer, especially here in a college market like Lexington, is college football win totals and trying to handicap those win totals for the coming season. We've already addressed Kentucky, sitting at seven wins out in the desert, and every guest we've had on this show so far None of them have gone under six. They've all gone over. And I tend to believe we're going to hear a lot more as the season gets closer of people going over that seven total. And believe me, we'll be all over that topic leading up to the college football season, which is only about two months away now, if you can believe that. But one of the old-fashioned ways to predict upcoming football seasons is college football returning starters. Even the guy with no thumbs, yeah, those guys too. But let's talk about this in terms of trends and historical data because as we all know, if you fail to learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it. And we're going to talk about the SEC here. So how do our friends in the desert, how do they make the college football win totals, how do they put these lines up out in the desert? Mainly five things. Yes, recruiting rankings. We don't like talking recruiting a whole lot on this show, but they're part of it. Schedule, who you play, where you play them, when you play them. Who's your coach, who's your quarterback, and yes, returning starters as antiquated as it may be. So when you just look at the sheer number of returning starters on a team, that can provide some great clues when trying to find out the right sides of these win totals. And here's some systems that I've discovered and I continue to use every year because, well, I need professional help, but that's neither here nor there. Over the last eight years, 74 teams had six returning starters or fewer than the previous season. Only 13 of those 74 teams improved the next season by win total. The average drop of winning percentage, 13.8%. And even against the spread, they dropped almost 5%. What team fits that description this year? Tennessee sitting at six and a half wins for the season. By the way, get used to hearing Tennessee over the next couple of minutes. On the other side, of the 77 teams over the last eight years that brought back at least six starters more than the previous season, only 17 of those got worse. With the average improvement, the winning percentage bump up 11.7%, and against the spread, up 5.6%. That's pretty good. What teams fit that this year in the SEC? Auburn, sitting at six and a half wins. LSU, a Kentucky opponent, sitting at eight wins. Here's another one. Teams that return 16 or more total offensive and defensive starters. That group has included 210 teams over the last eight seasons. Only 54 of them have recorded a worse one-loss record. Average improvement, 
9.3% outright, 3.7% against the spread. So who's going to improve in that one? Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss at 7.5 wins for the season. But it's not just about returning starters, Jim Valvano. What does a returning quarterback mean? We always talk about quarterbacks on this show. Why has Kentucky not been better than they even have been over the last few seasons? Terry Wilson was a below-average quarterback. That's not my opinion. Those are the numbers talking. And in a generic sense, returning a starting quarterback has meant an increase of about 2.4% on your winning percentage for on a year-to-year basis. However, our friends in the desert place an emphasis on this as there is an average decline against the spread because they know that people like us, if we can figure this out, believe me, our friends in the desert have figured it out too. But we dig a little bit deeper, do a little bit more research. Since 2013, a total of 52 teams have brought in new starting quarterbacks and four or few total, four or fewer total offensive starters for the next season. Of those 52 teams, only 12 improved. And the average decline, 12.9%. So in other words, if you don't have many offensive starters and you don't have your quarterback coming back, that's bad news. Who does that fit this year? Alabama, 11.5 wins. And again, Tennessee, 6.5 wins. Huh? What are, we, what are we noticing here? Auburn LSU, thumbs up. Alabama, Tennessee, thumbs down. Here's another one. Teams off seasons where they won at least 67% or more of their games, and now they have six or fewer offensive starters returning, plus breaking in new quarterbacks. The 26 teams that have fit that description have dropped 15.2% outright in terms of standings the next year. Who fits that this year? You guessed it, Alabama. Oh, but what about coaches? Coaches, we got to look at these coaches. Here's my favorite one of them all, and this is the one that your thesis statement closing argument. If you have an entire new coaching staff, that means head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, combined with a new starting quarterback and 11 or fewer total starters returning, that's called instability. A very unstable situation. Certainly not a recipe for winning college football. 20 teams over the last eight seasons have seen that, and they've seen their winning percentage drop 16.4%. Now, who do you think fits that this year from the SEC? Uh Uh-huh. Tennessee. The picture of instability. No returning quarterback. All new coaching staff. Six and a half total wins. How could you take over six and a half total wins for them? But who's going to improve this year? Major room for improving. When a team wins very few games from the previous year, 25% or fewer, but then some of the biggest improvement is realized when these teams bring back their starting quarterback and hire a new coach, a new beginning, so to speak. These teams go way up, 15.6% straight up on an annual basis. Who's that this year? South Carolina. Vanderbilt. Oh, well, okay. Offensive coordinator changes. When this happens, you can always see these teams raise up and lower based on these offensive coordinators, but... Offensive coordinator changes when combined with little experience, that's a sign of trouble. 44 teams have hired new offensive coordinators in the same season, and they've had five or fewer offensive starters returning and a new quarterback. Oh, goodness. These teams go down 17% win percentage. Who are the candidates? Bama, Tennessee, Florida makes an appearance at nine. 
So when you look at all these things, what does this mean? Looking at teams to improve their SEC win totals and overall win totals for the coming season. Auburn, LSU, throw in a little bit of Ole Miss, throw in a little bit of Vandy. But if you're looking to take teams to go under, which is what we always do, especially in college football, when you see these very high numbers, especially Alabama, 11.5, you're telling me with Alabama they have to go undefeated to go over the win total because they don't count bowls and SEC championship games. This is all just about regular season. Alabama and Tennessee, if you're going by the antiquated way of just going by returning starters, coaches, and quarterbacks. So if you're just looking to trust the tried and true methodologies of this, you've got to look to go under with Tennessee and Alabama. And with Alabama at 11 and a half, they lose one game, hey, cash your ticket right now. But as Jim Valvano taught us long ago, just because you have returning starters, it doesn't guarantee that you're any good. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective, 859-381-1313. If you'd like to give us a call, the Reds continue their season of mediocrity with a 3-2 loss to the Braves last night. Reds now 37-37 and on the season, 17-17 and at home, 20-20 and on the road. How mediocre can you get? Our friends in the desert say the Reds currently sitting with a 12% chance of making the playoffs and a 9% chance of winning the National League Central. Value? Eh, maybe. But they've got to find a bullpen first. I'm sorry. Last night, Vladimir Gutierrez turned in the absolute minimum for what's defined as a quality start. Three earned runs and six innings, but the Reds couldn't score last night off Drew Smiley, a starting pitcher with an ERA of 5.11 going into this game. The good news for the Reds last night, Nick Castellanos, three hits, including his 25th double of the season, putting him on pace for 55 doubles. His average now 349 on the season. It's really good. And he's now tied with fourth out in the desert in terms of National League most valuable player odds with Chris Bryant and, ironically, teammate Jesse Winker. All three of those guys right now sitting at 35-1 to to win the most valuable player in the National League. If the Reds could get back in the playoff race, there's some value in Winker and Castellanos at 35-1. to But then again, if Fernando Tatis puts up more three home run games like he did last night, we might be wasting our time anyway with this MVP talk. Hey, more good news for the Reds last night. Our biggest scapegoat player for this team in 2021, Eugenio Suarez, hit his 16th home run of the season. Wow. Why are you always on this guy? He's got 16 home runs. That projects out to 35 for the season. Why the hate? Oh, yeah. He's only hitting 176 for a batting average this year with an on-base percentage of 256. Oh, I get it now. Speaking of Jesse Winker, this guy might be the slowest man in baseball. If you saw the game Thursday night, Winker was on first with two outs, and he couldn't score on a double that hit the wall. With two outs, you're running on anything. You're not slowing up for whatever. Sheesh, this dude is slow. If you saw that replay, you saw what I saw. Yeah. This guy thinks AOL dial-up internet in 1997 was too fast. That's how slow he is. But today, in a game that can be heard right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5 at 340 this afternoon, game three of this four-game series between the Braves and Reds, Ian Anderson pitches for Atlanta. He's 5-3 with a 3.33 ERA. Luis Castillo goes for the Reds, 2-10 with a 5.61 ERA. 
Ian Anderson is 23 years old, but he's been a good pitcher now for the Braves for two seasons. In his career, he's 8-5, and five, but with an ERA of 2.92 and an ERA plus of 1.56. That's very good. But it's gotten a little iffy lately for Anderson. In his last five starts, Anderson has an ERA of 4.38, and he's turned only a small profit out in the desert in his career. The Braves are 11-8 when Anderson starts. But only a 94-cent profit if you've blindly put $1 on all his starts due to the Braves often being big favorites. That's okay. So Anderson has been a good pitcher, but far short of great. But like Charles Dickens once said, it was the best of times and the worst of times for Luis Castillo this season. Well, mostly the worst of times. Castillo, the Reds' opening day starter, has been the best in Major League Baseball this season at losing games. Castillo with 10 losses on the season, but things have improved for him as of late, despite his record. A month ago today, Castillo had an ERA of 7.61, which was the worst in Major League Baseball at the time, and he's dropped his ERA exactly two runs since then, going 29 and two-thirds innings in five starts with a 2.43 ERA. That's good, but Castillo is still one and three in those five starts. Castillo has an ERA of an ERA plus of 82 for the season, which means he's been, you know, 18% worse than an average pitcher. But despite being the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball for the first seven weeks, eh, it's not too bad. But history tells us this is not a good spot for Castillo out in the desert. That's what we worry about. Lifetime, the Reds 26-27 and 27 when Castillo starts at home. That's a negative 12.3% return on investment. That's not good. But it gets even worse when Castillo is a home favorite, like he is today. The Reds are 21-20 and 20 in this spot, but with a minus 13.3% return on investment due to laying such big numbers out in the desert as a home favorite. And, of course, when you're leading the major leagues in losses, you're burning a lot of tics- tickets out in the desert then, too. The Reds 3-12 and 12 in Castillo's 15 starts this year. Return on investment, minus 62.5%. And if you blindly put $1 down every time Castillo started this season, you'd be down $9.37. Ouch, indeed. So if you've been investing in the Reds this season, you've probably purchased some uh, ramen noodles recently. Just uh, remember to drink your water with those. There's a lot of sodium. The sodium levels of those are crazy. Reds are a small, minus 115 favorite in this game. No surprise. They've closed as a small favorite about that number in each of the last two games as well against this uh, Braves team. Kind of tells us the desert feels like these two teams are evenly matched right now. They're giving the Reds a slight advantage for being at home, nothing more. If I'm looking for value today, the value is on the Braves. I'm sorry. I'm getting the better starting pitcher, easily the better bullpen, and the team the desert felt like was the better team both in preseason and right now. So if you ask us, the Braves are the play today especially as an underdog, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Give us a call, 859-381-1313. Coming up after the break, we know why you're here. Enough chit-chat. Give us some winners. You got it. The most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. They're next, right here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. ESPN Radio, 1,300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. 
Give us a call, 859-381-1313. It's time now for the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate cashing tickets out in the desert like we do? With a Mac Daddy Stogie from Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon's Crossing. And as they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, cross the line with us. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. Go see our friends Jake and Autumn. Let them know the bottom line sent you. They'll give you the VIP treatment like they do for us. JakeCigarBar.com. Before we get to the action, I saw this week Louisiana passed sports gambling in their state this week. That means 30 states have now legalized sports gambling, while Kentucky, the horse racing capital of the world, does not have legal sports gambling yet. Ridiculous. This isn't Utah. I mean... I promise you this is not a show about politics, but didn't Andy Bashir use legalized sports gambling as a debate platform when he was running for governor a while back? Hey, governor, make it happen. If you don't pass it next year, you're going to be last in line. All these other states are passing you up. Meanwhile, guess what we saw during the NCAA tournament back in March when we broadcasted this show live from the Belterra Casino in southern Indiana? A majority of the cars in that parking lot had Kentucky license plates. They were all dropping big money on that tournament. So, yeah, good luck uh, going another season without sports gambling. Pathetic. Okay, off the soapbox. Uh, tough for us to hear any to for here or anybody else today other than ourselves because last Sunday we gave out four out of four winners of this segment. Suns in game one, Hawks and Sixers under game seven, Cleveland Major League Baseball, and John Rahm 12-1 to to win the U.S. Open right before the final round. We hope you got in on that action. If you don't believe us, go to our website, WLXG.com. Listen to our podcast. You'll get it all there. NBA playoffs. The Bucks went off as eight-and-a-half-point favorites last night in Game 2 after losing Game 1. But as the old zigzag theory used to teach us, this was their time. They routed the Hawks last night, 125-91, to even their series at 1-1. Game stayed under the 225 total. Yeah, favorites in this round right now. They're three and two against the spread, and of course, favorites killing it, almost sixty percent against the spread during these entire playoffs. We've been preaching that for a long time now. Uh, Trey Young says it's all on him last night. Eh, whatever, when you lose by that money, it's, that many, it's not on one person. But you got what you wanted if you're Atlanta, a split in Milwaukee. Now, series goes back to Atlanta for Game Three tomorrow. We'll have more on that game tomorrow on this show, nine o'clock. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. But tonight, Game 4, Phoenix and the Clippers. Phoenix up 2-1 in this one. But Game 4 is in L.A. Suns minus 1 right now in this one. Total 218.5. This is a tough one today. We preach taking the favorites and following the money in the NBA playoffs. It's the only time we preach that other than NFL draft props too. But the Clippers probably should be favored here. In fact, there's some places you can shop at where you do see the Clippers minus 1 instead of the Suns. So if you're a trends player, like we do on this show at times, you might want to look to take the Suns tonight. But this isn't one we feel great about like we did last Sunday when we were all over the Suns in game one of this series. You also want to follow the money in these playoffs. Both, seems to, uh, both sides are taking equal action as of, this, uh, as of this morning. But the great Lem Banker, the great sports gambler that he was, he always said, you know, they play the national anthem every day. And in this case, there's nothing wrong with passing up this one, saving up for Game 3 of the Eastern Conference tomorrow. We might just do that if these odds stay where they are currently. 
What am I doing? Uh, I want to keep an eye on these uh, odds and where the public money is going. If I see a consensus line at pick at any time today and the majority of the money on the Clippers, I'll be on them. Right now, I might have to pass because the information and the money does not help us. Major League Baseball last night, favorites went 8-7. and seven. Lots of upsets, including the Orioles and Matt Harvey. You remember him. He's a former Red. He's a former everything at this point. Matt Harvey's made 16 starts for the Orioles this year. Why? He's terrible. His ERA is like 7.8. Why is he even out there? That's the Orioles for you. But, hey, they won last night despite, despite throwing him out there. By the way, remember last week we said Jesse Winker was debating uh, whether or not to be in the home run derby uh, in a few weeks? We compared him to Bobby Abreu. Well, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., both backed out of the home run derby this week. Uh, what do these guys have in common? Their fathers were longtime major leaguers, including Vladimir Guerrero in the Hall of Fame, who actually won the home run derby at one point. Those are their fathers who've been around the block and talked them out of it. They know what happens in these home run derbies. So, yeah, we stand by what we said last week. If you're a Reds fan, you do not want to see Jesse Winker in that home run derby, but we'll see. Who's got value in Major League Baseball today? Cleveland has some value. Atlanta has some value, as we mentioned earlier. The Cubs coming off a big win over the Dodgers earlier. uh, They have a lot of value. And even Arizona, who's lost more road games in a row now than any team in Major League history, they have some value today. But we're going to go to Milwaukee. Colorado is a big plus 175 dog at Milwaukee today. And the Brewers are leading the National League Central, while Colorado is a horrendous 6-29 on the road this season. To quote the manager in Bull Durham, 6-29, how'd they ever win six? It's a miracle. But today they have a shot, and more importantly to us, they have value. That's what we look for, especially in Major League Baseball. Every dog has his day. These underdogs, the worst teams in the major leagues, win 55, 60 games a year. You just got to be on them at the right times. Said to tell for the Rockies today, yeah, he's 2-7, and seven, but his ERA, 4.83, which is not horrible for a pitcher that has to pitch half his games, of course, an ERA plus of 99. So he's an average pitcher. That's good for Colorado. Hauser for Milwaukee today. What does he not have going for him today? Well, a few things. First of all, his last name is not Woodruff, Burns, or Peralta or else we wouldn't even be having this conversation based on how great those three starting pitchers are for the Brewers, making them, in our opinion, the favorite in the National League other than the Dodgers. But Hauser's just a guy. He has He's 4-5, 3.95 ERA. But look at this game yesterday these two teams played. Both teams used everybody in their bullpen in 11 innings. The Brewers' bullpen, quite possibly the best back end of baseball with Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Great one-two punch. They've both been used twice in the last three days, so they probably won't be used today unless absolutely necessary. But we're getting a lot of value on the Rockies today at plus 175. So give us Colorado. They almost won yesterday, getting big odds. The odds are a little, you know, shorter today. And yes, we're taking a 6-29 and team on the road against the National League Central Division leader. That's how you do it, Major League Baseball. We're looking for value, and we're shot callers here on this show. Rockies over Brewers. You're Mac Daddy Stogie in the Major Leagues today. So to recap, Brewers uh, will lose to the Rockies as a big dog. Or excuse me. Yeah, they'll lose to the Rockies. As the, the Rockies are a big dog. And the Clippers, if they start getting some money, if you see this, this line hit even, get all over the Clippers and play off P in the Clippers today. Rockies and Clippers, watch for the Clippers. Those are your Mac Daddy Stogies for today. You can take those bad boys to the desert and Jake Cigar Bar and smoke them. 
Coming up after the break, our good friend Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will join us. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We thank you for listening on this Saturday morning. And our next guest is the host of the Sports Stove Podcast. He's our good friend, Vince Stover. Vince, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Good morning, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, buddy, anytime. Hey, we went over in the first segment, uh, college football win totals. And I know you're a big Tennessee guy, Tennessee football guy. They're the only team in the country this year, Tennessee, that has a new head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and quarterback, and quarterback. All four people, new, and very few returning starters, as we know they lost a lot of people in that transfer portal. Six and a half total wins for Tennessee. I know this hits home for you. How can anybody go over six and a half for that team? Well, uh, I mean, a little bit of research uh, would would give you a good reason to go over, I think, on Tennessee this year. Uh, You say, you know, new coach, new offense coordinator, new defense coordinator, new quarterback. Yeah, all of those things were desperately needed at Tennessee. And uh, I think they're in for an eight-win season. Eight wins. He's a shot caller, ladies and gentlemen. He's right now. Now, truth be told, can I honestly say this? You're maybe a Tennessee football homer, maybe a Tennessee football fan. Can I say that, huh? Yeah? You know, honestly, I don't think I am. Uh, oh, okay. I grew up in Tennessee. I, You know, I cheered for Tennessee for many years. But honestly, in the last decade, it's just been a college football fan. And I've probably been as down on Tennessee as anybody, uh, just – you know, it's not been pretty. <laughs> they right. had some some good things happen, and they they brought in uh, you know some decent players, but you know they haven't been able to do anything with the players they brought in. So you bring in Josh Heupel, who had three winning seasons, and yes, it was at Central Florida, but he comes in with a uh, modern day offense, which it seems like it's been a while since maybe Lane Kiffin. I mean, I guess there was a little bit there in between Kiffin and now, but. Nonetheless, you know, they bring in two transfer quarterbacks. Uh, more than likely, Joe Milton gets the job. He's from Michigan. The other one's uh, um, Hendon, uh, Herndon, I forget his name, I'm sorry, from Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think Joe Milton wins the job, and you can look at his stats in Michigan and go, oh, boy, he's horrible. Well, look at Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and tell me what he's done with quarterbacks. It hasn't been good. And I think you put that more on the coaching at Michigan than you do the, the player. So I think Tennessee comes in this year and has success, and then they'll probably go back down next year as everyone's figured them out and stuff like that before they make ultimately a rise back up to consistency around that eight to nine win 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 area. It won't be like the Philip Fulmer years, though. I don't think anytime soon in uh, the '90s, <laughs> at least. But those days are long gone. But we also talked about Alabama and how when you lose as many people as they did, and of course we all know Nick Saban. You know, they don't. They just reload in Alabama. But if you sit there and say, okay, 11 and a half wins, they lose one game, if I go under, hey, I've already cashed my ticket. You really think Alabama with a new quarterback, all these new receivers, everybody new basically, are they really going 12-0 and regular season this year? I've got them at 11 wins myself. I think one loss at least this year. You know, Saban, he's kind of like Belichick in the sense, you know, do you bet against them? Right. And it, you know that's the scary part. But again, there's 
can they really do it again? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I would, I would lean towards at least one loss from Alabama this year. And, you know, so if I was a betting man, I would go under, but, um, I would do it and be scared to death and, uh, you know, hope that something crazy happened like that Auburn game several years ago (laughs) (laughs) to make it happen. I think you have to go under with Alabama. I I just, do you really, are you really telling me they're going 12 and 0? I guess that's the, the key thing here with a new quarterback and all these new players and losing so much this year. Yeah, that's, that's the number you have to look at here. But let's look at the NBA for a minute. Last night, the Hawks just basically mailed that one in, and the Bucks even up that series at 1-1. We talked about this earlier the uh, the week. Are you on board that uh, the Bucks are really going to just waltz through the rest of this series, or do you think the Hawks maybe have a chance to sweep this one uh, out and get the next two games at home down in Atlanta? You know, I don't think it was Atlanta mailing it in. I think it was Milwaukee playing up to their potential. And, you know, Drew Holiday, who's had a rough, playoffs so far offensively he came alive last night and when the bucks are clicking they're just the best team in the series um i i look at the hawks and kind of compare them to the heat last year where they've got a talented team but no one expects them to win the championship and i think in this series the bucks are just better at this point uh and where they all are and i think milwaukee will get through this one you know atlanta still may get another game they may go six games total but I think Milwaukee ultimately is not going to get too worried about this series. I've seen this act out of Atlanta teams, especially the Hawks in the past. This is the ultimate time when the Hawks just totally tank. And when you think they find you, when you have hope, all of a sudden they like they fool you. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is it. They're finally going to change things around. That's when they tank. That's when they're finally going to do it. By the way, interesting to me. The Bucks are already a five-point favorite in Game Three, first game in Atlanta tomorrow. That's very interesting to me. You'd think that this would be a lot closer, maybe closer to a pick'em. But the Bucks are after, especially after last night. Everybody thinks the Bucks is going to win this one, especially our friends out in the desert. We'll see about that one tomorrow. Well, you know, Milwaukee was what a seven and a half favorite in this last game. Yeah, they were eight and a half. Um, They went off eight and a half last night. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you drop that down with changing to going on the road, but still, again, Milwaukee's just better, and uh, they should be the favorites going the rest of the way. Game four tonight, Suns, Clippers, 2-1 to one in favor of the Suns. I'm of the belief that the Suns uh, are going to win this series, but it doesn't mean they're going to win, you know, that you should bet on them every night. Is this a spot where the Clippers, everybody's on Ty Lue, everybody's on playoff P, Paul George, is this a spot where maybe the Clippers still have a little bit of a pulse and can pull out game four to even this one up? Listen, Paul George is known for not <laughs> winning <laughs> at this point. He's and playoff his, P. What are you talking about? Yeah, how do you get that nickname? Playoff P. He's not Western Conference Finals P. Um, you know, he could never get there. He could never get past the finals. I think Phoenix wins tonight. Uh, Clippers still may pull again another game out. It, it, I think it goes six games total in this series. But again, Phoenix and listen, Ty Lue did a great job in the last game making the adjustments, and he's getting a lot of praise for what he did. But I think Phoenix is just better, uh, even as a team. They have, I think they have more talent, but I think they're just a better team all the way around. I expect Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton to carry this team tonight. And uh, and close out the series maybe in another uh, three games total. They'll win two out of the next three. 
This was a tough one for me tonight. I, this is one I want to pass on because, I mean, yeah, you want to take these favorites in the NBA playoffs, and I've gone over all the numbers ad nauseum before on this, and you want to follow the money too because the money in these playoffs, it's the only time you want to take favorites and, and follow the money. The NBA playoffs and NFL draft props, the only times you really want to do this. So are you telling me right now, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast, are you telling me that his sons and bucks in the finals – Pretty much uh, done deal. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on that one. I think I, exactly what I'm looking at is Suns and Bucks finals. Let's turn to Major League Baseball for a minute. I did the uh, the worst thing imaginable for any uh, uh, investor yesterday. I uh, I called the game over before it was over, and uh, <laughs> I, yeah, Vince Stover knows what I'm talking about. You I bragged about it. I bragged about <laughs> picking uh, the Brewers to lose yesterday. Hey, and we're so stupid, we're doing it again today. But the Brewers now uh, winning the National League Central. They're up one game on the Cubs, five on the Reds, seven on the Cardinals, who are basically tanking right now. I don't know what happened to them. Are the Brewers, are they set now? Are you finally on board with me that the Brewers are winning the National League Central, Vince Dover? I'm standing on the platform waiting for the train to arrive uh. so that I can jump on. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there now. The, the pitching has continued to be consistent. The offense has been much, much better as of late as well. Um, I'm, I'm definitely closer and closer. And as a Brewers fan, I'm so scared to jump on. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm really close now, really close. Chicago playing well. Uh, overall, and, you know, I'm not scared about Cincinnati. St. Louis looks like even if they make a, a turnaround, they're still looking at second maybe in the division. You know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really close now to jumping on with you. You say you're not scared about Cincinnati. Explain your thought process on this one. I think Cincinnati um, is going to really fall hard here in the second half of the season. <clears throat> Winker has been great, but – I don't think it's sustainable. Uh, Castellanos, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be consistent throughout. But, you know, their success has come off of power hitting, and I just don't think it's sustainable all the way around. So I think Cincinnati ends third in the division more than likely. Uh, But I think they're going to stay right at that 500 number or maybe two games under 500 by the end of the season. With all the drama we've seen in this team this year, before the season, our friends in the desert said, eh, 81 and a half. And that's exactly the pace they're on right now. You know, it's it's like, you know, the bar graph in the USA Today back in the day. You know, the pie graph. It was always, you know, all straight. It was never straight up lines. It was always peaks and valleys. That's what you have in this Reds team this year. When you see them go and, you know, win four straight at St. Louis, when you see them go and win three straight at Milwaukee, you think, oh, this team. They've got it all. Oh, they're coming around. And then they tank like they've done that road trip where they went to uh, San Diego and just got blown out of the water. And then Minnesota make them look bad, especially that bullpen. The bullpen is the big issue for me. I don't care who's hurt or what right now. You can't compete, especially in today's game, with no bullpen. That's the biggest difference between the Brewers, who have a great back end of the bullpen, and the Reds, who we don't even know about, and they have the worst bullpen in baseball. Well, who do you trust in Cincinnati? I trust Castellanos, but outside of that, who do you trust? Do you trust the manager? Do you trust the starting pitching? Do you trust the bullpen? Do you trust, you know, batters three through nine? I mean, there's there's just not enough people there that you can trust. 
to expect them to do anything special this year. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective with Vince Stover from the Sports Stove Podcast. I look at this Western Division, and uh, we were talking about this the other day. San Francisco Giants still with a nice four-and-a-half game lead on both the Dodgers and the Padres. Is it sustainable for the Giants to maybe take this division, or is you know are we going to finally get back to what we thought it was going to happen? Dodgers right up there with 100 wins, and the Padres right behind him. The Giants uh, back to mediocrity. Man, the Giants are the hardest thing for me because I don't. They've they've played so consistently well. They're scoring runs. Their pitching has been very good. Uh, they're not allowing too many runs. They're the best defense in the division with the Padres pretty close behind them. Um, man, I, I just can't believe the Giants are going to win the division, being how stacked the Dodgers are and how stacked the Padres are. Um, if I was a betting man, I would say San Francisco doesn't win the division. But as a, just a baseball fan, I'm kind of cheering for them. I like, I like what I'm seeing out of them this year. And they've really pulled out, I guess, a rabbit out of the hat, in my opinion. They've, they've been phenomenal. They're not going to win this division, but I think they can make a wild card very easy. I think this is, they're, going to, they're not going to win this. The Dodgers are going to overtake them, maybe the Padres too. But they're going to, they're going to make the wild card. They've won too many games. They're sitting at 49-26. and 26. So that's, yeah. you, they really have to collapse to not What's get the, over 90 wins. Go ahead. Do, do you have the number right now, the odds for San Francisco winning the division? 22%. That's what they are right now. The Dodgers are still an odds-on favorite. They're still over 50%. Padres sitting at 26 But the Giants, you know, the desert says 22%, and that's with a four-and-a-half game lead. That just shows you how much respect that the, the odds makers have for the Dodgers right now out in the desert. That's an interesting investment possibility there, some decent value, I'd say. With the Giants. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Um, one of my things is... Where there's smoke, there's fire. I look yeah. at Jason DeGrom. He, you can argue he's the most valuable player in Major League Baseball. He's the best pitcher, you know, easy, when he's on. But there's smoke, there's fire with this guy. He's always getting hurt in these games. He's been on the injured list once. They keep taking him out after five innings of these games now. Yeah, he racks up 10, 12 strikeouts in five innings. But they always take him out early because they're afraid that he's going to get hurt again. Should I be wary of Jacob DeGrom if you're looking at the Mets with a four-game lead and thinking, huh, DeGrom goes down, this team is in trouble, and somebody might catch them like the Braves from behind? Well, part of the thing with DeGrom is they know he's not going to get the run support. And so it's kind of like, what's the point of leaving him out there if the rest of the team's not going to produce? They're the lowest-scoring team in Major League Baseball, and and they're first place in their division. Uh, listen, DeGrom, it is scary a little bit, but I think he knows uh, himself. I think they know him well. I'm not too worried about him at this point. I'm more worried about the teams behind him, like Washington, who's coming on here as of late. Atlanta has the ability if they can get their pitching going. But, I mean, you're right. And, and actually, I hadn't even thought about that. You brought it up on my podcast this last week, and I was like, oh, that's not good. He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> you know, so they're thinking through all that no, stuff. No, he's great uh, for fantasy. It's just how long oh, can, yeah. you, can you trust him? Because, I mean, let's just face it, why is he getting taken out of these games so early if he's just fine and dandy 
that's my only question about him and this whole Mets team right now. Yeah, I think you know, I think again with them, I think they're just they're thinking a little bit longer term with Degrom, considering that he's everything to them. Uh, they've got to be extra careful with them. I, I think it's fine. I think at this point, I'm not worried about it, but it's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on moving forward. Mets and Phillies today. Uh, Mets right now sitting at minus two fifty. That's how much respect Degrom is, even though you know he's probably not going more than five six at the very most. I don't. He's not going more than six innings the rest of the year. I don't care if he's how great he looks in these games. We talked about the American League too. Are you with me that the Astros are just uh, are really uh, just uh, trying to send it to the rest of the world uh, for calling them cheaters, and now they're proving it now that they're the best team in American League, in my opinion. Man, they are so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all in on the Astros. They are putting up a ton of runs right now. I believe they're leading the Major League Baseball. They are by a lot, leading Major League Baseball in runs scored. They're also not allowing too many runs. They've got a plus 144 differential, 11-game win streak. I'm in on the Astros. I think they've got to be the favorites here in the American League. Yeah, we love teams that cheat. And uh, so the Astros are always one of our favorites. We go back to the SMU uh, Eric Dickerson days. Hey, we love teams that cheat. They all, they win games and cover point spreads. That's how we, uh, we always judge things on this show. NFL right now. Anything striking your fancy? We talk about uh, Jacksonville a lot. Of course, we joke about Tim Tebow. Urban Meyer came out today or yesterday and said, Trevor Lawrence isn't ready, but he doesn't have to be. Boy, if that's not a sign that he's going to start and play every game. We talked about rookie quarterbacks starting from day one. Yeah, he started from day one, right? Oh, he has to. Yeah. I mean, for ticket sales, for everything else involved, for the TV stuff, he's got to be the starter day one. And, I mean, he's, he's ready. I promise you he is. He's ready, and I think the Jaguars, I like them this year, not as a playoff team, but I like them around eight wins this season. I think we're going to see a lot of progress and a lot of hope for the future for Jacksonville. We're the home of the Bengals here uh, across, <clears throat> across the hallway at uh, Classic Rock 92.1. We haven't talked about the Bengals, you and I, much this year. Six and a half, their projected win total. A little bit of juice to the under in this one. Joe Burrow got his receiver from LSU in. Uh, they tried to uh, get some offensive linemen in there. Under over six and a half total wins for this Bengals team this year, Vince Dover. Man, I just pulled up their schedule. Uh, I'd go over on that. Uh, they're a good team. Of course, the, the stipulation is it's Joe Burrow healthy. If he's yes. healthy, they're over. They're, I don't think there's any question about that. They're a very good team if Joe Burrow is, is at quarterback. So they're definitely a team I'm watching for. I see progress in them. They do have a tough division, which is always scary because you're talking about six games right there against tough opponents. But Baltimore kind of seems to be going the wrong direction right now. Pittsburgh, I'm not high on them this year. They're kind of putting all their eggs in the Ben Roethlisberger basket, and I'm not sure that that basket can hold the eggs this season. So I'd go over on Cincinnati for sure. The team that I'm really interested in is, is the Jets. Um Zach Wilson at quarterback, they bulked up their offensive line. They made another signing this week to help their offensive line. Um, that's a team that I'm watching to make some big strides this year. Jets sitting at six wins uh, out in the desert. All right, you're our UFC expert, Vince Stover. Uh, we'll give you 60 seconds. Give us your picks. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this guy's on fire with his UFC picks. Who you got this uh, this week? All right, well, first of all, for the casual UFC fan, tonight's a decent card to watch. They don't have a lot of great names on it,
which typically means you're going to have a ton of great fights. I'm going to give you two picks uh, for tonight's fights. Tanner Boser versus Ovent St. Peru. Uh, Peru is at plus 150. The vet, both of them have been around a little bit, but I'm going to take Ovent St. Peru at plus 150 tonight. And then the, the main event, Cyril Gon versus Alexander Volkov. Everyone's in on Gon as he is an 8-0 and undefeated, uh, but I never pick a Frenchman in a fight. So Alexander Volkov, plus 145. Uh, both of those fights, underdogs, uh, Volvin St. Peru and Alexander Volkov tonight. Never pick a Frenchman in a fight. Words to live by, ladies and gentlemen. From Vince Stover, <laughs> they might surrender before the fight starts. Uh, Vince, tell us where we can find you on social media and your podcast, which is uh, as good as it gets around here. Well, thank you, Brad. Uh, on Twitter at, at Sports Stove. And then uh, the podcast, you can catch it live three times a week on YouTube, uh, Sunday nights at 4, uh, Tuesday and Thursdays at 8. And then you can also catch the podcast version anywhere you get your podcast, the Sports Stove podcast. He's Vince Stover. He's as good as it gets. Vince, thanks for joining us on the bottom line this morning. We appreciate it as always, my friend. Thanks, Brad. Over on Tennessee, under on Kentucky. Uh, We agree on half that. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Thank you. All right. That's Vince Stover, Sports Stove Podcast. Good guy. Halfway good on his picks there. Hey, coming up today on ESPN Radio at 340, it's Braves and Reds. Reds minus 115, like we said earlier. Values on the Braves today, if you're so inclined. Tonight, 830, Game 4, Suns Clips here on ESPN Radio. Uh, The Suns minus 1 in this one. Really want to go with the Suns today, but I need to see a little bit more public money on that side. And don't forget, tomorrow tomorrow morning, in an early tea time, Matthew Lawrence at Backspin Golf at 8 o'clock. And uh, we'll be back for more sports talk from a handicapping perspective with the bottom line at 9. And then the Angelo Carriero Show at 10 o'clock. And don't forget, you can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.